Welcome to the Pilot Protection Services Podcast, where AOPA's legal and medical certification staff, along with leading industry voices, take on the challenges and developments that all pilots deal with. From staying out of trouble with the FAA, to becoming a better pilot, to staying healthy so you can stay in the left seat longer. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the AOPA Pilot Protection Services Podcast. This is Dr. Jonathan Sakia. I author the Flywell columns in the AOPA Pilot Magazine and contribute to our various online offerings, including, of course, this podcast. And once again today, I'm glad to be joined by my good friend, my colleague and flying buddy, Gary Crump, Director of Medical Certification at AOPA, who mentioned recently that he's been talking for 32 years. I rather think he's been talking for longer than that, but he's been... (laughs) Talking on behalf of AOPA. Hi, Gary. How are you doing? Hey, Jonathan. I'm doing well. Still talking. Totally good. We're still talking. Well, we got a bunch of talking to do. And, you know, it's appropriate I mentioned the 32 years because we're going to be talking about the impact of age on flying. And we all know that old aphorism that there are old pilots, bold pilots, but there are no old, bold pilots. And another version of that is that the wise pilot knows that she has made her last landing. The foolish pilot does not know he has made his last takeoff. We get a lot of questions. I certainly get a lot of questions from people telling me how old they are and that what do they have to do to, you know, they want, they've want they always wanted to learn to fly. But, you know, given I'm so-and-so many years old, uh, what do I have to do? Gary, there is no standard based on age, right? It's a not at all. Uh, except for uh, airline pilots, uh, ATP Part uh, 121 air carrier pilots, but that's uh, not what we're talking about. But no, the FAA does not discriminate on the basis of age. So any pilot who can meet the minimum medical standards for, let's say, a third-class medical can certainly do that. And um, I can't cite any numbers, but I, I suspect that there are at least a few pilots who are in their 90s that uh, hold current FAA medical certificates. I was just at a meeting a couple of months ago, and they, they were talking about the demographics of the pilot population. So octogenarians and, and above are still flying actively, primarily because we're, you know, we're in a society where we're living longer, we're staying, we're staying healthier, we're living longer lives. And uh, of course, the downside of that is you outliving your, your re- retirement money. But as far as uh, flying is concerned, we're seeing more and more older pilots who are remaining active and maintaining their medical certificates probably more than any time in certainly in, in recent history. I have to tell you, Gary, I've been very, very blessed to be recognized and to be honored in many different ways. But one that really mattered to me was being asked to speak to a group called the UFOs. Uh, the yeah. United Flying Octogenarians. What an amazing group of people. And you'll like this one. I was having dinner with a gentleman who was a patient of mine many years ago, and he was 90. And he used to fly many, many, many years ago. He hadn't flown in uh, decades. And he said to me, well, what's the medical standard about flying with, you know, if you've had cataract surgery? And I told him and said, what what if you have hearing aids? And I told him, he said, what if you have controlled hypertension? I told him and he said, damn it. He said, I'm going to go and buy an airplane. I'm going to start flying again. Because it's apparent I'm not going to die anytime soon. <laughs> Good for him. <laughs> yeah. So he flies. But, you know, again, he flies daytime VFR. That's all he'll ever do. He won't do instruments. He won't fly at night. And he's, he's flying within his standards. So bless him for that. So, 
let's let's look at this from another perspective. What about older pilots like this chap? not necessarily 90, but older pilots who are wanting to get back into the cockpit, they've been away from flying for years, what, are, what should they be doing, especially given the new so-called driver's license medical? What are your thoughts on that, Gary? Well, certainly you're, you're referring to basic med, and that really has been uh, probably one of the most stimulating initiatives in general aviation, probably since product liability reform back in the 1990s. We are now up to an excess of 60,000 pilots who are flying under basic med, and that includes a lot of pilots who have been out of aviation for a long time. We refer to them as rusty pilots, and in that, in that cohort of pilots, many of them are, are older pilots. So obviously, basic med, you know, there's two sides to the equation. Obviously, it's bringing more pilots into the system, and it's bringing more older pilots into the system as well. So there's always going to be some some level of concern, uh, certainly from the FAA's perspective, on pilots flying under basic med without the uh, uh, medical certification oversight that exists with a regular traditional medical certificate. So we're seeing uh, more pilots that are coming back into it. And so, you know, obviously, they need to be more aware of things that they might not have been so concerned about uh, in, their, in their 50s and 60s. But uh, it's a whole new game for uh, general aviation. So again, we're living longer, we're staying healthy. And uh, as a result of that, we're seeing pilots who are comfortable flying probably, as you said, day VFR only, hopefully not uh, not nasty IFR if you're in your 80s or 90s, but uh, more pilots are, who are taking advantage of the opportunity to fly without the medical oversight. And uh, that's a good thing. It's good for everybody. Uh, you know, a rising tide floats all boats or uh, puts all airplanes in the, in the sky again. So yeah, yeah. So that's a, it's a good thing. It, it is a good thing. We're seeing more flight hours and uh, more avgas is being sold, more airplanes. The used aircraft market is really very strong. So basic med is, has really been a boon for, for the GA segment of the aviation industry. And we should remind people that they can go onto the website and look up the requirements uh, to, to qualify for basic med. So that's certainly a good thing to consider. And Let's say we've got a, a chap, a, a lady who wants to start flying again. What should they do before starting to fly again? And, you know, I'm thinking gathering their medical history together, uh, evaluating the medications they're on, so on and so forth. What kind of recommendations would you have, Gary? Yeah, I totally agree. I think, I think it's true for every pilot, but certainly for us older pilots, have a, a good comprehensive physical exam done. I think generally, as we get older, with depending upon our you know circumstances with Medicare and uh, insurance, all that, a good annual physical exam just is it just makes sense whether you're going to fly or not. That in, should include a, a vision exam too. And uh, I, in fact, I recommend this for everybody to have a, a, especially over the age of 40, as we become a little bit more presbyopic and have to hold our uh, charts out a little further away from us. A good eye exam, just a routine eye exam, is always a good idea prior to your flight physical. There's no wor worse reason to get busted. I hate to use that word. That's not a, really a word, busted, but not pass your FAA flight physical because you can't meet the vision standard. That's such an easy thing to fix in most cases if you don't have any eye pathology. But if it's just a, a visual acuity thing, you got to be able to meet 2040 standards for a third class. So a good eye exam and a good comprehensive physical exam. And then whatever comes out of that comprehensive exam, maybe a, a chest x-ray, maybe a routine EKG if you've got a family history, 
of, in, of heart disease or a family history of anything probably warrants a little bit more follow-up, uh, especially with the, the lifeline screenings now. You can have a, an abdominal uh, aortic uh, scan done. You can have a carotid artery scan done, and these are you know, just a few hundred dollars. So you, know, you can probably want to comment on those uh, even better than I, but get a good baseline because a, an FA flight physical cannot be a substitute for a good annual physical exam. It's a screening exam, and the standards are what the standards are, but you're not necessarily going to get a really good exam unless you have an extraordinarily thorough aviation medical examiner that really takes the time to do a, a good physical exam. So get that out of the way, and then the chances of having something come up during the flight physical are probably uh, going to be minimized to a, to a good extent. Yeah, I mean, the, the issue with medications is also important because you know, I, I've always advised people because you were prescribed a medication one year, two year, five years ago doesn't mean. And, you know, sometimes, you know, things fall through the wayside. You get another doctor. He or she doesn't know you and doesn't think to go back and say, well, do you still need this medication? We were right. given pressure medication. You were hypertensive. But since then, you've started exercising, you've lost weight and your blood pressure is now normal. You don't need it. And, you know, making sure that the medications that you're on are medications that are not an issue for FAA. And if they are an issue, hey, guess what? There may be alternatives to prevent you having a problem. So, Gary, you're absolutely right. Go through all the body systems and say, what can I do to check up on? It makes sense anyway. Never mind the flying. It makes sense anyway, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And on the, on the medications question again, a lot of pilots are seeing multiple physicians. You know, they've got their internist, they got their primary care doctor, they may have their cardiologist, they may be seeing a nephrologist or a neurologist. And sometimes those physicians don't always coordinate or reconcile medications. And so we've seen not just a few circumstances where pilots who show us, you know, send us their records and we look at their meds list and they're on multiple medications. They may be on four or five different blood pressure medicines, all prescribed by different doctors. And so they're, they're really, at least they're not getting the benefit of being on that many meds. And in, at the worst case scenario, they may be really compromising their health by being on medications that are doing them more harm than good. So it's called reconciling your meds list. And we, we talk to pilots about that all the time when we're reviewing the records under our pilot protection services. We look at them and say, hey, you know, have you checked with your doctors lately to find out if some of these medications can be discontinued? So it's a good idea to, to check that periodically because, yeah, there's a heaven forbid we, we take so many medications as a society anyway. And if there's any of them that we don't need to be on, by all means, it's it's prudent and financially reasonable to not be on any more than you have to be. Yeah. And, you know, as someone who you know practiced medicine for many years, you know, it's a sad statement, but you're, you're absolutely right, Gary. This this does happen. And, you know, the medical system in the United States is such that there it's really hard sometimes for doctors to communicate one with another. You know, and patients may not have the contact information or they may not even tell you as a physician that they're seeing someone else. Correct. <laughs> so it, it can be problematic. So let's go through a few of the things as you're getting up there in age, we've mentioned medications. Something I'd, I'd like to address is judgment and reaction time. I mentioned my friend who's made the decision to fly day VFR only. As one gets older, yes, your, your experience has increased and experience is highly valuable. But your judgment and reaction times do change. They do deteriorate. What sort of things do you think people can do 
to evaluate that and to adjust things without stopping flying. With the internet now, you can go online and uh, download uh, some of the different tests. One of them is called yeah, the Lumosity. And uh, we're crossword puzzles. My wife is a is a rabid crossword puzzle person, and and uh, Sudoku and all those things that uh, make absolutely no sense to me. But just keep just stay active. Keep your mind occupied. Certainly, even just reading. But I certainly noticed this myself as I've I just turned sixty eight. So I noticed myself having to be a little bit more deliberate in uh, what I'm doing. Certainly, when I'm driving. And, uh, you know, coming from Texas, one of our slogans was, you know, drive defensively. And uh, so, and, and it applies in the airplane too, even though you don't have traffic you have to deal with. But it's, uh, you know, being a little more deliberate in, um, in thinking about, what, okay, what comes up next? And, you know, really going back to the phrase staying ahead of the airplane, I think that becomes a little bit more challenging for us. And that's why we have to kind of set our own our own limits when we're flying, you know, maybe set altitude limits or uh, your own personal personal limitations on IFR flying, certainly night flying or night vision starts to deteriorate. So on the judgment and reaction time, I think those are really, really important. And for those of you who uh, read our newsletter, one of our contributors, Ken Stahl, has just finished doing a marvelous series on the human brain and performance and uh, the interaction between the human body and the airplane. So if you haven't read those articles yet, go back and because he's right up, this is right up his alley and what he's been talking about on that. Yeah, Ken's an old friend and he's, he's, he's a good guy and I absolutely agree with that. You know, the other thing that, that I think is a great trick, and I, I cannot take credit for this, uh, it was um, an idea of a friend of mine from Bloomington, Indiana. And he made the point that airline pilots have a whole flight department working for them. They don't check the weather. They don't have to check the route. They don't do the fuel calculations, the loading. And that's all done by the flight department. And many, many tragedies in aviation occur because of, you know, a chain of events, which starts with poor judgment. You make one bad decision and things layer on top of them. And we all have our limits. And if we are honest with ourselves, we stick to the limits. But sometimes circumstances conspire. So my friend Dave's idea was, why don't we have a flight department? So let's say, Gary, you were my flight department. I give you my safety parameters. I tell you what kind of flying I'm prepared to do, I'm good to do, what are my minima, what's the range of flights on and so forth. And then I call you and say, hey, Gary, I'm leaving in three hours. I'm going to fly up to Toronto. And you look at the weather and say, hey, Jonathan, there's a, there's a storm cell from here to here. What do you, what do you think about that? And, or, hey, Jonathan, you're going to fly over those mountains at night, single engine, really? What's your alternate? And quiz me. Be my friend and help me from stop making a silly decision. And I think that that becomes more and more important the older we get. So just something to bear in mind and to think about. Then, of course, you, know, you mentioned length of flight, Gary, especially with, with men. They can have issues with their prostate, making sure that they <laughs> had a pee before going, uh, going on board. The last thing you want to do is to go into urinary retention whilst you're flying an airplane. But can I throw to you and ask you to make some comments about cardiovascular health uh, in pilots as they get up there in age? Uh, sure. Cardiovascular conditions are probably the single most popular, for lack of a better word, of uh, types of cases that the FAA evaluates because 
you know, a lot of it, it boils down to we live in a uh, in a Western society, and although the heart disease rate, I don't believe, is accelerating like it was a few years ago because people are more aware of heart disease. The treatments are so much better than they were, you know, 15 years ago. So people that have cardiac events are surviving them uh, with stents and, and to a lesser extent, coronary bypass surgery. But the cardiovascular conditions are among the 15 disqualifying conditions that require a special issuance that are codified into the Part 67 medical certification standards. And so we think about cardiovascular diseases, you know, heart disease and, and uh, heart attacks, which is caused by heart disease, but you've know, got to consider hypertension as well. Atrial fibrillation, one of the most common, probably the most common cardiac arrhythmia that occurs in, uh, in the older population. AFib is, is very controllable once it's diagnosed and, uh, and treated appropriately. Other types of cardiac arrhythmias, some very fit athletic type uh, individuals may have a very low heart rate. And sometimes that can cause a little bit of an issue. The FAA, not standards, FAA policy says if your heart rate is less than 50 beats per minute, the FAA sometimes likes to see a report from your treating physician just verifying that you know, he's a triathlete and uh, he's just got a normal low heart rate. So, uh, yeah, the cardiovascular conditions are the ones we see the most. You know, they do cause a lot of concerns for pilots because they, they just assume that if they've had an MI that they're through flying. And so, obviously, they research it and hopefully give us a call and we tell them that's not the case at all. So, uh, cardiovascular conditions certainly can get qualify for a special issuance. Even now, once you've qualified for a special issuance, a lot of pilots are now going to basic med after they've gotten that special issuance and maintained it for at least one one renewal cycle. But uh, it's it's still something to keep an eye on. So anybody with a history of heart disease, regardless of whether they're flying or not, should continue to see their cardiologist at a, the frequency that the cardiologist recommends, but just to stay on top of things. So as we move to towards wrapping this up, you know, we've been talking about uh, age and flying both from the perspective of people who want to get back into flying and people who are getting up there in years and need to think about maintaining their health so that they can fly as long as possible and, of course, live as long as possible. And I said at the, at the beginning of this uh, podcast that the wise pilot knows when they're, it's time to hang up their, um, their goggles and, or maybe fly with someone else uh, in the airplane with them. There's this, uh, you know, this thing in medicine that, Patients will very often say to, uh, to the doctor, how long do I have? Uh, it's a wretched question to hear. And, of course, we like to make jokes, obviously not in critical circumstances like that, but, but bit, trying to be humorous about it. Uh, the old expression is, let's put it like this, don't buy any long-playing records, right? Well, not that there are any long-playing records anymore. You know, I'm dating myself. But if you fine-tune your body and you look after yourself, your flying career might be a long player. So stick around, uh, keep fit, keep healthy, utilize all the resources that we've mentioned, uh, talk to pilot protection services, tell the truth on your applications, look after yourself and keep flying long and flying well. And it's bye from me. And goodbye from me. Have a good day, everyone, and fly well. Thanks for tuning in to the Pilot Protection Services Podcast. We'll be back soon with more of your favorite topics and guests in general aviation. Pilot Protection Services is available only to AOPA members, and over 64,000 of those members choose to protect their certificates with PPS. It's a service we're proud to provide. 
fly safe, and we'll see you soon.